Procrastination, first and foremost, has nothing to do with discipline. Nothing. I didn't wake up one day, decide to be disciplined, and then I never procrastinated again. Procrastination is dealing with that fear of not being good enough. It is getting curious about that fear. And it is taking the thing that is stressing you out, because probably it's more than one, and chunking it down into things you can actually follow through on. What is up, sweet, beautiful friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker Podcast, where we talk about all things perfectionism, goal setting, being our quote-unquote best selves, what the hell that even means, and of course, how to stop procrastinating a major plague for many perfectionists out there, high achievers, perfectionists, procrastinating perfectionists, people-pleasing perfectionists, and everyone in between. My name is Nicole Baker. I am your coach now and always. I'm your host now and always as well. And we are going to talk about procrastination today. You know, I'm going to be real honest with you. I thought we'd done this episode already. (laughs) I knew we did an episode around uh, how to stop procrastinating as a high achiever. Um, and how high achievers procrastinate, which honestly is most of our audience. Um, And yet I thought we did one on just like procrastinating 101. And I think we did one that procrastinating was a part of it, but we've never devoted like an entire episode just to procrastination, how to get out of it, yada, yada, yada. And this, I realized like it was like a dawning realization this morning where I was like, oh shit, that that needs to happen now because over and over again, the number one question, and I do mean number one, this is not me just throwing out a flu-flu number. I truly mean number one. The number one question I get from people is I have so many goals. I want to do X, Y, and Z. I know I have so much potential inside me and yet I can't flipping do anything. I can't seem to get out of my own head, to get out of my own way. I can't seem to stop procrastinating. I'm a terrible person. And then just down the rabbit hole they go. So I want to start this episode with a very cut and dry, what is procrastination? Because so many people think that procrastination is a personality trait. And they say, I'm a procrastinator. I am someone who procrastinates all the time. It's a habit I've had my whole life, yada, yada, yada. Procrastination is not an identity, but many of us are making it our identity. And that's honestly part of the problem. When we make something part of our identity, it doesn't matter if it's procrastination, doesn't matter if um, I am a terrible person, doesn't matter if I am someone who does everything for others, or one of my new identities that uh, new is new is a stretch. I'd say like three years ago, I really tapped into this identity. And that is, I am someone who does the things that her future self is going to thank her for. It's a long identity, but man, has it changed how I never procrastinate anymore, at least mostly never. We'll talk about that in a second. But if I say I'm a procrastinator, my brain changes. My brain is going to change and morph and see the world differently when I change the identity that I put on myself. 
And it, it it's like clockwork. I've I've had people be like, I'm not a morning person. And they say it over and over again. I'm not a morning person. I'm not a morning person, but I really want a morning routine, but I'm not a morning person. And that antithesis, that, that two sides of the same magnet trying to touch does not compute. And your brain is always going to fall back to identities far more than it falls down to your expectations or your new habits or your new goals or whatever. It will always win your identity. So it will always, always, always win. So if you're saying, um, uh, I'm not capable of making X amount of money, and then your goal is, I want to be a really successful business owner, or I want to get a promotion, or um, I want to start my own business, but you have that identity of, I'm not capable of making X amount of money, or I'm not capable of people purchasing from me, your identity will always win. By the way, identity, anything that follows the phrase, I am. I am enough is an identity. I am not enough is also an identity. So procrastination, saying I'm a procrastinator, is literally causing you to procrastinate far more than if you were to say, I'm someone who takes things one step at a time. I am someone who gets shit done. I am someone, oh, this is one of my favorites. This one actually changed when I was procrastinating hard to when I started getting momentum. The identity shift was, I am someone who cares about what she does. That sounds so weird. But what I mean by that is when I was procrastinating, it was because I didn't care. It was, I don't know if I'd say it wasn't because I didn't care. It's because I was too afraid. I was far too afraid. So I decided to numb out instead. That's really what it was. And that to me felt like just saying, oh, I don't care. I did, but I just chose to numb out instead. So my versions of procrastinating, you know, um, for looking way, way long ago, were going out and drinking until 3 a.m. That was a huge procrastinating. I would be like, oh, I really want to, you know, go to the gym in the morning. Oh, you guys are going out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go. I didn't hold promises to myself. That was another huge one. I am someone who holds, who keeps her promises. I am someone who, I don't love the word discipline, to be honest, because it sounds very like, you know, military and like discipline, rah. And I think that there's grace. I, I, I don't think that grace and discipline can't coexist. I do think they do. And honestly, I'm I'm a walking example of that now. Not to toss toss, but I've done a lot of research and a lot of change on this, where I do have grace, I do have discipline, and they get to coexist at the same time. And saying that I am someone who holds herself accountable, I am someone who follows through on the things that she wants to do. That was in complete antithesis of the person I was prior. I was someone previously who self-sabotaged constantly, who didn't think she was capable of making things happen for herself because she had no evidence that she could. I was someone who ooh, that got real. That's real. It's that's a real one. That that hit me a little harder than I thought it would as I was saying it. Um, I'm also someone who wasn't used to getting out of her comfort zone at the time and staying in my comfort zone was deeply important to me, which brings us to actually what is procrastination? What is, you know, happening in our brains when we're procrastinating? Because so often the things that we're procrastinating on are stupid and small, stupid, I'm going to put air quotes around, by the way, in our brains, we're like, oh my God, you just need to practice. 
practice piano. That's all you need to do. That was one mine for so long. You just need to write the email. Just write the email. It's so simple. Or just call the doctor. Just pay the bill. Why are you procrastinating? You lazy piece of shit. You're never going to make anything happen for yourself. We say this all the time, and it seems like on these really small things. But here's what's happening to our brain when we are in a state of procrastinating. Notice I say state of procrastinating. It is a state. It is a habit. It is a emotional pattern of comfort and everything. It is not a personality trait. I will nail this in until you guys get it. But what is actually happening in our brain, and in order to start here, we have to go a long, long time ago in a not really galaxy, in the Milky Way, not so far, far away. We have to go to the times where we were living in tribes, when we were living in caves, when we were grunting, and that was our way of communication, and it worked really well. <laughs> like when we were in this time period, our brains, would view the campsite, the home base, hunting with our tribe, gathering with our tribe. We would view being with people, being around, being around fire and shelter and food as the comfort zone. Everything that lights up in our brain when we are in our comfort zone, it is the same thing as back then. Not that they had, you know, neuroscience tools to measure it, but a lot of science has been done on this. So if this is the comfort zone, the brain attached, oh, I'm going to survive. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to live to see another day if I stay in this comfort zone, if I stay by the fire, if I stay by the shelter, if I stay by the tribe, everything. So if that was the comfort zone, outside of your comfort zone, getting uncomfortable meant that your survival was threatened. It meant you were off on your own in the woods. It meant that any given moment you could face off with a saber-toothed tiger and die. It meant that any given moment a bear could jump down on you and kill you instantly. It was this hypertension, anxiety, fear of I might not live. Now, just so we're really clear on this, comfort zone, I'm going to live. I have people. I'm going to be okay. Out of comfort zone. I might not live. My survival is threatened. I am not going to be okay. And that's when we go into what we, you know, what we now know as survival mode outside of our comfort zone. So yes, we've evolved. Many much evolved. We stand up a little straighter. Sometimes I need to remind myself of that. Sometimes we stand up a little straighter. We have the iPhones, we have Google, we have AI now. All these things have changed. However, our brains are still the same makeup. They are still the same base level programming as comfort zone, survival, out of comfort zone, I'm not going to survive. So why is this so important? Because most of the, not most of the time, all of the time, when you are procrastinating on something, it is because it is fear-based, meaning it is outside of your comfort zone meaning your brain goes into survival mode, 
And when it's in survival mode, that fight, flight, freeze button is smash put, like pushed like aggressively. And if we have a habit of procrastinating, we will normally freeze. Fight, flight, freeze, that freeze button is pushed instantly. And when we're saying, oh my gosh, you know, if I uh, write this email, I'm outside of my comfort zone because, you know, they could email me back and say that I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. They could email me back saying I'm terrible. I don't know what I'm going to write. So it feels really unclear, uncertain. It is out of my comfort zone. I might die. You know, it won't kill me. You know what I've proven over and over again will not kill me scrolling through TikTok. So I'm going to do that instead. And I'm going really base level human programming. Obviously, when we are, you know, procrastinating on a project, it's not because I'm saying I'm going to die. Of course, we're not consciously thinking that. We instead say, oh, you know, I'm not really feeling motivated today. I'm not really feeling it. Um, you know, I I had a big night last night. I deserve to rest or, you know, um, uh, I have a, <laughs> I had someone, I had, I had someone tell me one time, I have a big night coming up in two weeks, so I should just chill. And I was like, did you just hear yourself? And they go, oh my God, that was an excuse. And I was like, yeah, that was. And they're like, holy shit, I didn't even realize it. That's how sneaky these excuses are. It is our brain's base level human programming of sneaky sneakiness saying, hey, you don't want to go there because you might die. It's out of your comfort zone. It's unclear. It's uncertain. You don't know the end result. You might get hurt. You might get rejected. You might fail. Ooh, let me insert this little excuse that you're just totally not going to see coming. You're going to believe it because you're going to do whatever it takes not to get out of your comfort zone. There you go. So why I am hammering on this so hard is because so often people think that they are the problem. They blame themselves. They shame themselves. They feel guilty. They feel terrible. And guess what that mental beatdown does to your motivation, to your, you know, willingness to have that mindset that gets you out of your comfort zone? It doesn't do fucking shit. It doesn't do anything. In fact, it actually holds you back. It takes you back a few steps. But we think, oh my gosh, well, I didn't get this done. So I just need to mentally beat myself up. So, Uh, I'm getting so heated because I see this happen over and over again. And I'll be straight with you guys. It breaks my heart because I've done this. I've done the mental beatdowns. I've done the guilt trips. I've done the shame spirals because I didn't do something. But now I'm in a position where I see other people putting themselves through it. And it literally feels like I'm ripping out my heart and just like throwing it in the lake. Because it is the most prevalent form of self-sabotage. And it feels so comfortable to beat ourselves up because odds are if we have a habit of procrastinating, we're pretty damn used to it. Now, no, comfortable does not mean you like it. I think this is really important to note. Comfortable just means you've done it before and you lived through it. Therefore, your brain did a little check mark next to the, you beat yourself up, you get to survive. Hooray, that means it's in your comfort zone. Now you might be saying, well, like I've written emails before and yet it still feels out of my comfort zone. If it has a fear attached to it, fear of rejection, if it's calling your doctor and you're like fearful that it's going to cost a certain amount, 
love American healthcare. It's really fun. Or you're worried about getting the answer to that test result. Or if you are, you know, an actor and you need to practice a scene, but you're afraid that it's not going to be perfect on the first try, you will procrastinate. Yes, you might have done this a million times before. You might say, ooh, but like I've done this. So, you know, I know I'm going to survive. The second fear is attached to it, that survive little guarantee gets question marked. The second fear is attached to it. So what do we do? We're going to get into the three steps. Now, note, I used to, I previously called this three ways of getting out of procrastination, but three ways sounded like you could choose one of the three and call it good. These are steps. These are steps into getting out of procrastination. But here's what I want to blanket statement over all of these. So often, the root core of procrastination, we had to put like a little name to it. Root core is I don't feel like I'm good enough. I am not good enough. I'm not enough to do this. I'm not enough to do this. Um, a lot of times I have people, uh, I hear from people who are procrastinating on starting a business and they're like, well, it's just not the right time. You know, I need to get more credits. I need to do X, Y, and Z first. I need to start a website first because I need to make sure people have that access. No, bull. You just believe you're not good enough. You believe that you're not going to succeed or You believe that you're going to succeed and it's not going to be worth it. It, you, the core is you believe that you are not good enough. And that is the fundamental human living, limiting belief. There is not a single person on this planet walking around who hasn't at some point believed I am not good enough. It is a fundamental core belief. Now we might call it something differently. It's never enough. I can never be enough. There's always this idea of I'm not enough yet. And yes, I have 100% fallen into this. I still have to remind myself of this. In fact, this morning, I was um, getting ready. I I was um, starting my day. I was meditating. And all throughout meditation, my head was just like going off like, you need to do this. You need to do that. Remember this thing that you said yes to. Oh my God. Oh my God. Did you say yes to too many things? Oh my God. Your free time is gone. Oh my God. You're going to be so stressed out. You're going to be stressed out. Nope. I just decided I was going to be stressed out. Everything has a place in its calendar. I know everything that's going to happen. And yes, I still take nights off. I don't, I'm not overly working. And yet my brain just decided I was going to be stressed out. And as a result, I started like spiraling totally spiraling. I was like, my shoulders were up to here. I was on the bike, um, cross training for, for, uh, my 15 K that I'm running. Cause also I said yes to that. And, um, I was, I was writing the podcast outline. Cause I normally do that. I love writing and exercising at the same time if I'm not running, cause that's impossible. Um, and I like to enjoy that, but like when I'm biking, it's like, I could just get to like brain dump and everything just like flows out of me. And while I was doing all of this, I came back and my shoulders were just like up to my ears. Like I was just really stressed out. And I realized it was all because I felt like I said yes to too many things and I wasn't going to be able to be enough for all of them. Now, the things I've said yes to are things that I've either done before or I know how to do or things that I really, really enjoy doing. 
And yet my brain just said, you're going to be stressed. So all that joy, all that play, all that fulfillment is taken away. And so I had to remind myself, Nicole, you are enough. You are good enough to do this. Because by the way, I was feeling the elements of like, maybe I should just, you know, bury my head under the covers and like not do anything. Like I was feeling the element of like procrastination that a few years ago would have won a hundred percent. I would have texted some friends and said, Hey, do you want to go to brunch and get day drunk on a Tuesday? And they probably would have said, sure. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. I have different coping mechanisms now. Um, But it, it came down to the fact that I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I had to remind myself, you know what? You are good enough first and foremost. And the stuff that you don't feel like you're 100% perfect at, you're going to fucking figure it out. That's who you are. Note, I attached my identity there. I am someone who figures it out. And I could like feel, I can even feel them now, like my shoulders just dropping. And it just felt easy again. So if we had to boil all of this down to one thing, We're going to go through the three steps, but if I had to boil this down to one thing, it would just be start doing the work to make it so that you can believe in yourself more. It is not a switch you turn on. It is work. Work. (laughs) It's a lot of work. And if you can do it with a therapist or a coach, depending on what your goals are, or if you have if you don't have the money to invest in that right now, that's okay. You're not doomed. There are so many books. There are so many podcasts. You're doing a great job because you're here already. There's so much you can do. I will say working with someone who's able to call you out and personalize everything to you and challenge your beliefs so you don't get those sneaky excuses and, and totally blindside yourself. So therapist or coach is ideal. But... Believing that you are good enough is work that is worth it. Oh my God. So I've had people ask me like, Nicole, you're so disciplined. Nicole, you never procrastinate. I've lit- I literally just a few days ago was talking to someone and I was like, well, like, you know, trying this, trying that. And they were like, Nicole, it's easy for you. You're so disciplined and you never procrastinate, which first and foremost is an excuse to say, well, it's easy for you. So it can't be easy for me. Bullshit. Bullshit. Procrastination first and foremost has nothing to do with discipline. Nothing. I didn't wake up one day, decide to be disciplined. And then I never procrastinated again procrastination is dealing with that fear of not being good enough. It is getting curious about that fear. And it is taking the thing that is stressing you out because probably it's more than one and chunking it down into things you can actually follow through on. So it has nothing to do with discipline. And by the way, I have not always been disciplined. You guys have heard stories about me when I was in school and starting my business. And I I gave in to fear all the time. It wasn't until I decided that I was the person who made it. So that person I want to be is just there. I heard a quote. I think this is actually one of the big things that turned it around for me. 
I heard a quote that is something along the lines of, I'm going to butcher it, but something along the lines of you become the one year from now version of yourself now, because when you start adopting their habits, their mindset, their belief systems, their identities now, the shit you want and that you see in a year, the monetary, the business, the family, the relationship, the the travel, the time off, the the no more rest guilt, all of that shit that you want comes naturally, but it has to change from within first. I didn't become disciplined overnight. I started believing that I was worth it. Ooh. I started believing that I was worth it. My dreams were too important. My goals were in my head for a reason. And as a result, I just started making action. I started taking steps. I started chunking things down so they didn't feel so overwhelming. Again, hitting that fight, flight, freeze button. I started chunking things down so they felt easier. And then I was like, oh. It is a simple, it is a simple. So who getting on a high horse? I've been teasing these long enough. Let's talk about these three ways, excuse me, three steps. I am going into my old programming. These three steps for getting out of procrastination. Number one, and this is non-negotiable friends. You have to forgive yourself for procrastinating or for wanting to procrastinate. Now, perfectionists, forgiveness is not something we give easily to others, maybe, especially for more people pleaser, but to ourselves, hell no. We hold ourselves to way high a standard. If we can't find that standard, if we can't meet it, it's so simple. It's just writing an email. It's just starting a business. It's just making a million dollars. If we can't hold ourselves to that standard, then we're terrible. We suck. We fail. Bull. That is not a way to create a long-term fulfillment, happy life. You have to start with forgiving yourself. And in fact, there was a doctor, um, Pickle, Pickle, P-Y-K-L-E, Pickle, uh, (laughs) who has been studying procrastination for decades, I think two decades, which bless you, sweet, wonderful man. Um, But he did a study around students who did not study for a test and therefore procrastinated on it and then took the test and did the whole, oh my God, I should have done this. I should have done that, yada, yada, yada. And he did the study where he had those children, children, he had those students sit down and do a full forgiveness exercise. And they actually did not procrastinate. Every single one of them did not procrastinate on the le- on the next test because they forgave themselves. Now I see this in my own life all the time. I see this in my clients all the time because if you know if we're working on a on a plan for um, you know going after a goal or for starting a new habit, and they send me a message because I have unlimited um, messaging with them, and they send me a message and it says like, "Hey, I suck. I didn't do this. I feel terrible about myself. I, I, I'm 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 really in a shame storm right now," and I tell them like, "Hey." That's, you know, self-loathing is not a long-term motivational strategy. What if we start here right now just forgiving yourself? You're a human being. We fuck up all the time. 
We got to forgive ourselves first. And there's almost like this like dawning realization to them of like, that's an option. I don't have to hate myself into getting to my next level. Yes, that is an option. Forgive yourself. Literally. Uh, and, And honestly, just like any other habit, forgiveness is one that comes easier with practice. I'm now to the point where if I, you know, if something took longer than I thought it would, or if I say yes to too many things, um, and I feel a little overwhelmed, the first step that I'm going to do is not bunker down and like get it all done. Cause first and foremost, I have a plan always getting it all done in one day is not going to help me. It's only going to make me stressed out and I'll probably end up crying by the end of the day because I feel like I didn't get it all done and yada, yada, yada. Instead, first thing, and I'm, I did this this morning, but unconsciously, I'm going to do this now more in real time with you all. I had to say, you're okay. You're a human being. You're excited about this next step in your career. And as a result of being really excited, you said yes to a lot of stuff. Oh, well. You love this stuff. You love these things. Is there something that you can tweak and yada, yada, yada? Sure. But if you don't forgive yourself first, there's no point. So I I am right now in real time, just showering myself for forgiveness saying you're a human being and you're excited about the stuff you do. That is not a bad thing. Number two. So number one, forgive yourself, non-negotiable friends. And this might take a minute. This might take a minute. I I, I promise I'll get to number two. Uh, going back to forgiving yourself though. Uh, sometimes I have a, a 90 rule. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I think it's actually Tony. I think I told, stole this from Tony Robbins. Um, but it's the 90 rule where, um, you know, if we're in a shit place and we just need to kick and scream and, and um, you know, have a pity party and be a victim for a second. Great. You have 90 seconds, you have 90 minutes, but no matter what, just have it out, give it your all, and then get it out of your system. I think that so often we try to switch without feeling a lot of those things and it just shoves them down and almost like a grenade, it like builds up and then it eventually explodes. Um, so having a night to just say, God, damn it. I can't believe I did that. Having a night is fine. I'm one of probably the only personal development people who will say that. And that makes me really sad. Having a night is fine. As long as you wake up with radical self-forgiveness the next day. And that might take some journaling. That might take some meditation. That might take some sitting down and really getting clear with yourself. It might take some talking to someone, but radically forgiving yourself the next day is non-negotiable. Number two, you got to get curious about what's actually going on. And normally it's fear. So fear in our brain is basically like saying, um, Let's go with something really simple, like writing an email. Because honestly, this is one that I still have to do all the time. Emails, I don't know why I get so anxious with writing emails. It is so funny. And every time I remind myself of this exercise, and it's getting better for sure, but it is it is just very funny. 
when I'm sitting down and writing an email and I'm wanting to procrastinate on it, that like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do this right now. Oh my God. I can wait till tomorrow. Yada, yada, yada. It is because my brain says, write email. Oh, there's fear here. So I'm just going to put a huge black curtain up in this, up in this fear. There's a huge black curtain writing an email. It does not go beyond the black curtain. That is done. That is a full stop. Theater is closed, black curtain. And what that is basically saying is behind that black curtain, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably death. Again, going back to that saber tooth tiger, it's probably death. I'm going to put a black curtain so you don't have to look beyond it. I'm saving you. And in actuality, it's not. It's not death. It's not certain death. It's just this black curtain, this black abyss that says, if you go beyond this, you don't know what's going to happen. And so one of the things I always do with myself, with my clients is saying, okay, give me the worst case scenario, the absolute worst case scenario. Let's say it's, um, let's say it's posting on Instagram. Cause I see this one a lot too. Um, there's a big black curtain behind posting on Instagram. That's why they've been procrastinating on it for a long time. They're beating themselves up. They haven't forgiven themselves yet. We work on forgiving themselves first. And then I ask what's behind that curtain. What is the worst case scenario your brain is trying to protect you from? They say, well, I post on Instagram and people laugh at me and people say that I posted something that was factually incorrect or um, that I'm not good enough or that I'm not smart enough or that they think I'm an imposter or da, 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 da. And then I ask them, okay, great. What would you do next? What would you do next? And they say, oh, I'd probably cry. And I'm like, that's fair. You're a human. And then they say, I'd probably learn from it and pick back up and do it again. And I go, yeah. So it's not certain death. It's not you're rejected and your life is over. It is a learning opportunity. And then you get to pick back up and try again. For people who are starting a business and they're so afraid to send that first pitch or to, um, Make I see this all the time. People procrastinate on setting their prices because they don't feel worthy of charging for something that they love doing. I have a whole soapbox to step on with that, and I will save that for another day. But when they are afraid to set prices, again, that black curtain, if you set prices, black curtain, I don't know what's behind it. And I ask them, okay, worst case scenario. You set your prices, you pitch them to someone, and what happens? They say, they'll say it's too expensive. And I go, and then what? And they say, well, they probably weren't my ideal client in the first place. And I say, and then what would you do? They say, I'd keep searching for my ideal client and I'd find them and eventually they would buy. And I was like, so your worst case scenario is you just prolong a little bit making money in your business and getting to do what you love? And they say, oh, yeah. So after we ask what's the worst case scenario, because we like balance, what's the best case scenario? We know the worst one now. You're not going to die. Great. You will not spontaneously combust into flames out of someone rejecting you. What's the best case scenario? Let's say they're posting on Instagram and they're like, 
the right person will see that post and they'll reach out to me and say that it meant something to them. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And here's the best, here's the best part about this exercise alone. I have never done this exercise with any, and I've done this exercise with upwards of hundreds of people. Never does the worst case scenario happen. Never, ever, 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 ever. It is just our fear brain trying to protect us. Never does the worst case scenario happen. More often than not, the best case scenario happens on the first try or the third try. It is our own fear that is causing us to procrastinate. It's that black curtain that says, nope, you can't go past this. We have to challenge that. If you've been listening to the show, or if you're just a living, breathing person in the 21st century, odds are that you're a perfectionist. But did you know that there are three different types of perfectionism? After working with perfectionists for the past two years and being one myself for... Uh, longer than that, I would have to be an ostrich with my head stuck deep in the sand to not realize that there are different styles of perfectionism, each one with their own self-sabotaging patterns. To find out which perfectionist type you are, plus learn helpful next steps that will get you out of those patterns of self-destruction, take the free quiz by following the link in the show notes or by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz. Now onto the episode. Number three. So just to reveal, we got forgive yourself, non-negotiable, getting curious about the fear, ask yourself, what is the worst case scenario? Get that answer and then say, and then what would you do? That last part is important because here's the deal. It's not just the worst case scenario. You get rejected. You put yourself out there and someone says, no, that's too expensive. Or someone says, no, who do you think you are? Someone says, no, da, 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 da. You then ask yourself, and what would you do as a result? Everyone on this podcast has determination inside of them, has capability beyond measure inside of them. I know this because I've talked to so many of you, and I've never met someone who didn't have this fire that when they tap into it, they have creativity, they have problem solving, they have determination that can get them out of any situation that that black curtain is trying to protect you from. After that question, what's the best case scenario? What's the best thing that could happen? And relish in it. Go big here. Also, I've had people say like, what's the best case scenario? I hit post and I get a few likes. No, that is not the best case scenario. That's a medium scenario. Give me the best case scenario. And this one's often hard for people to think about because they're like, they're afraid for it to be that good. They're afraid to say it's going to be this great because now that's the standard. No, go big. Go freaking big. Stop holding yourself back by saying, oh, it'll just be fine. I'm just going to live a fine life. Everything's just going to be okay. Call your fucking shots. If you don't hit them on the first try, that means nothing about you. But I will guarantee you this. If you call your shot and it is big, you will make it way closer to that than if you call a little medium shot. Medium shots are safe. Medium shots are the comfort zone. Big shots are that, oh my God, life might be this good. Life might be this good. And it gets to be. You get to get good things and not have to earn them with hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. 
this is a lesson that I feel like the last year, I'll say I've learned this about six months ago, six, a year before that. So a year and a half ago is when I really started to learn this lesson. And it, this lesson changed my life. It changed my business. It changed how I rest. It changed my work ethic. It went from frantic hustle to ease flow and achieving things way faster as a result. This is huge. Last but not least, number three, more often than not, we procrastinate because we have so many things we're wanting to do, or we have this really big thing that feels unclear. Again, going to that black curtain, you know, if it feels unclear, then we will not follow through on it. Our brain will say, nope, that's too big. I don't know what that is. Nope, nope, nope. So chunk it down. Now I have some people say this, like that seems too easy. If I chunk it down into such an easy little bite-sized thing, then it'll be too easy. And I'm not a toddler. I shouldn't have to do that to yourself. Well, guess fucking what? The things that you're doing right now aren't working either. They're making you beat yourself up. They're making you think that you're a terrible person and you'll never amount to anything because you don't have any discipline. Why not try training yourself and your brain like a toddler for a minute? It is wildly amazing seeing people take these huge things on their list. Now, people think that like, um, I I use this example all the time, but it's because I see this one all the time. Um, Build my website, having that on your to-do list. Your brain does not know how to sit down and build a fucking website in one sitting. It doesn't know where to start. There's so many things. There are so many options. There are so many um, places you could go with that. Versus if instead you chunked it down into a teeny tiny little baby step and said, write first draft of the about me page or research five other about me pages and note what I like about them. That is a task. I call these one sitting tasks. And I talk about this endlessly in Goal Smasher. By the way, if you are experiencing any of this, any procrastination station, that course was made for you. It is one of my top selling courses for a reason. It's because we go through goal setting from a mindset perspective, from a clarity perspective, again, getting rid of that fear. We go at it from these one sitting tasks, chunking your stuff down into bite-sized pieces, no matter how big or small the goal. And we tap into long-term sustainable motivation. So if you want access to that course, I'm going to put it in the show notes here. Um, uh, And just, I I cannot stress that enough. Please, please, please jump on it. Um, But if you say instead, okay, Thursday afternoon, I'm going to research three about me pages and note what I like the best about each of them. And then Friday is when you're going to write your about me page, the first draft perfectionists. <laughs> just chunking those things down makes it so much easier for you to follow through. Now you also might say, well, I have way too many goals. I have 45,000 goals. I want to become a karate master. I want to get back into writing. I want to, um, 
write my cookbook. I want to start my business helping other chefs build their private chef business. I want to do all these different things. And I also want to run a marathon and yada, 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 yada. By the way, I see this all the time. I'm not exaggerating. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. It is like I have 10 goals and I have to be the best in my field at every single one of them. Your brain will literally be like, oh, nope, that is the fight, flight, freeze button. That is the overwhelm button. I cannot handle this. Procrastinate. Sounds great. Instead, you have to chunk it down. Now, for people who have 10 goals where you have to be the best in your field at any of them, I'm going to say something you really don't like. You got to go one goal at a time. I'm sorry. I, I hate that this is the way. I've seen people be successful with three goals at a time, but that's only when they've mastered the one goal at a time first. I'm right now going out about two or three goals at a time right now, but that is because I have mastered and I've set my schedule up. So one day, is devoted to one of those goals. I do not ever have multiple goals in one day because my brain would get overwhelmed trying to task switch and I'd procrastinate. I know myself. And there's so many people who are going to hate that. They're going to say, well, I can't do that. I I have you know these dreams and I, I can't just go after one at a time. Well, great. You're going after 10 at a time right now. And how's that freaking working for you? You have to be willing to do something new. And this freaks people out so much because again, they're not used to it. It's not comfortable. But let me tell you this, when you start making huge strides in one area, your brain gets like a download of mega growth. It's like, oh my God, look at how far I'm progressing. I'm I'm amazing. Look at me go. Whereas if I'm trying to do 10 goals at once and I'm trying to make little micro progressions in each of them because I'm overwhelmed and I'm procrastinating and I'm doing things that are probably not as scary and not as going to help me get forward. So I'm just doing these little tiny things to stay busy, to make myself feel good. If I'm just doing these tiny little things, our brain is going to say, you're falling behind. You're not making any strides. You suck. You're not good enough. Do you see Kathy on Instagram? She's doing amazing. You should be more like Kathy. Add a new goal to your list because look at her. She's launching a course and you should be doing that too. Like it, we get distracted by the people who are quote unquote doing better than us. Ugh, major mega quotes on that. And we we start getting just so down on ourselves and saying this doesn't work. It is immense, immensely, immensely, is that a word? insurmountably, we'll do insurmountably, insurmountably important to do that one goal at a time. And again, people are going to be really annoyed me saying this, but like, for instance, if you're trying to start a business, but you're also like, well, you know, I need to start a business, but I also need to, you know, get my first few paying clients. I also need to make a freebie. I also need to make a, uh, email marketing thing. I also need to make a website. Da, 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 da. No, <laughs> like, you will not make progress in any of those, or you will be way too frantic and you'll burn yourself out really quickly. So instead say, which one of these is most important to me? Probably getting your first few clients, probably getting those first few sales because you are a business. Making money is necessary in a business. I'm actually kind of shocked at how often I have to remind people of that, especially women. Or else you just have a really expensive hobby, by the way. If your number, if your number one is, okay, I need to right now just focus on getting those first few clients. Your 
tactics are going to be very different than if you were focusing on all of those goals previously, because you're able to focus on, okay, what's going to get me from point A to point B? Uh, Probably not posting on Instagram. There's going to be a lot of people who are like, what? No, do not ever let an algorithm determine whether or not your business is making money. Please. Makes me angry. Instead, put yourself in front of the people who would be your ideal customers or clients. And I say that like it's so easy because it is. We are making it so flipping complicated. Gotta be easy. So, number one, forgive yourself. Number two, get curious about the fear, asking yourself those three questions What's the worst case scenario? What would I do as a result? And what's the best case scenario? And number three, chunk things down one thing at a time. I'll guarantee you, you guys might do the first two. A lot of people aren't going to do the last one because they think, oh, not me though. You'll be right back where you start. I'm sorry to be an asshole, but it's true. So sweet, beautiful friends, let's wrap up. Um, First and foremost, I'd love to hear from you guys from this episode. This is, like I mentioned earlier, one of the most requested questions I get. Something along the lines of, I have way too many goals and I can't seem to go after any of them. I want to know what you guys think. Either if this episode was helpful for you, please share it with a friend. Share it with your favorite procrastination buddy. Share it with, you know, um, uh, social media. Or, you know, like anything, but just like, this is such an important topic that so many people do not understand because they don't understand the brain science behind it. And it is so important. So please share it with a friend, share it on social. Let's dive into some quick segments, shall we? First and foremost, how was I a perfectionist this week? I've kind of mentioned this, um, but honestly, yesterday I was sitting on a couch and I was eating my lunch. And I was like, you know what? I really should um, work on this thing that I'm doing in the business. Let's see, when is this episode dropping? It might be actually be around when this episode is dropping. Uh, so I'm not going to mention it just in case I move some things around. But I'm doing this really awesome thing and project that just like downloaded into my head one day. And I was so excited. And I was needing to sit down and write out... Um, what I'm going to call the transformation of it. So where are people coming in? Where are people leaving? And I was overwhelmed. (laughs) I was like, this feels like a lot to ask. And I was also being a little bit of a, not a little bit, I was being a big perfectionist because I was like, I need to get this right on the first try. And I had to check myself real quick and be like, whoa, first and foremost, this is the first draft. Secondly, you know this, you know, these people, their struggles, their their limiting beliefs, where they want to be, because A, you've been there a hundred times over, you've been there. And secondly, you've been coaching these people for five years. You know this. So I had to give myself like a little pep talk of you are enough, you know, going back to that root core thing. Then I had to get my, you know, I, I got a little time cube because I, I'm, you know, me in productivity, got my little time cube and I put a timer on for 60 minutes and I said, go. 60 minutes, you got 60 minutes. And I just fell immediately into a flow state with it. And it all just like flew out of me. So 
I tried to almost hold off. I tried to almost be a procrastinator about it, be a perfectionist about it. And I caught myself. And that is the power of studying this for five years and doing this stuff for five years. Number two, what is a goal worth celebrating or goal to celebrate this week? And I'm going to be honest right now. I'm in the middle. It feels like a lot of, of a lot of goals. Um, which is not to say I can't celebrate because I'm a big believer in celebrating at every single stage. And the celebration is, it's actually uh, not even something I've done, which honestly for a lot of perfectionists can kind of like break our brains a little bit, but I'm really trying to work on like celebrating things that also just come to me. Um, and I, I realized this morning, or I guess it was really a few days ago that I was like, oh my God, it is March in a few days. I'm recording this on March 1st, by the way. Um, And I was like, oh my God, this year is flying by. This year is flying by. And I started thinking about the wedding and how, you know, we're now a little over three months away from it. Holy shit. Oh my God. Um, We're now a little bit over three months away from it. And I started thinking about like how just at total ease I felt with everything. Yeah, my to-do list, and it's not really a to-do list, it's a checklist. Um, I don't like to-do lists when it comes to the wedding um, or in general. I don't keep to-do lists anymore. My checklist, my schedule um, that Brett and I are working through because we're really planning this 50-50 together is crystal clear. Every single thing that needs to happen between now and June 24th is on there. And it was just easy, like, and everything just feels easy right now with it. And so I I took a moment and really just like, let myself feel that and feel really proud of the fact that I'm able to have a very easy wedding planning process. Now, if you've been with us since the beginning, we've been doing like a two and a half year engagement. And when we start a little under two and a half years, but um, when we started you know, finding venues and stuff like that. We had a lot of hardships. We hit a lot of walls and all this kind of stuff, but that's all very much in the past. Like, and now it feels like everything's just like really easy going forward. And I want to celebrate that because I feel like that is not a lot of people's story, unfortunately. Um, but that just like, really, it just, it makes me feel so gooey, gooey and full. My sweet friends, this is an episode. This is a big episode. I got a little more hyphy than I thought I would, but that's because I'm very passionate about this. And and honestly, sometimes we need that swift kick in the pants to say like, it is not easy. This is not something that comes easily to a lot of people, but it is something that you can learn. I promise you, and every single one of you are capable. Every single one of you. I love you all. Thank you as always to the amazing Ariel Villafane for editing, producing, being my rock in this podcasting world. She is amazing and I'm so proud of all the work she's done and this episode and this podcast would not be possible without you. So thank you, Ariel. You all, I love you. I will talk to you soon. Bye.